I invite you today to stand out of respect for God's word. We always stand for, for the reading of this portion so that we know that, um, that God's word is truth. And this is him speaking to us through the scriptures. So we stand out of reverence and respect for the word of the Lord. This is the letter from James. Chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So this is what we call a general letter or a general epistle because it's written to all the churches uh, at that time. It was a letter that was meant to be spread about so that many churches would receive this message. And he uses this, this uh, language, a uh, very Jewish language of the 12 tribes and the dispersion. And he says this to the churches and he says this to you. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, that's me, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. In the Greek, it's literally double-souled man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers fall, its flowers, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for he who has stood the test will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits, or the best of his creatures. Here ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. In this portion of, of the letter, uh, from James, he writes about the reality of hardships and difficulties in life. He refers to them as, as trials and temptations, trials and temptations that we face in life. Anyone here like roller coasters? Oh, there's a few. Any of you here when you were younger like roller coasters? Maybe you don't like them anymore? <laughs> Oh man, I loved roller coasters when I was younger, and we have opportunity to take our kids uh, this past summer and the summer before to a place called Silverwood in Idaho, and they just enjoy going on these roller coasters. Here's a roller coaster called Tremors that I went on, 
And there's a funny story about me riding that roller coaster, and Santana can tell you about that later. I don't have time to tell you that, that embarrassing story. But there, there was a, a time when I liked roller coasters, and after I went on trimmers, I realized I don't like them anymore. I remember going to the amusement park full of excitement and anticipation. But here's the thing, before I go on a roller coaster, I like to scope out the track. Before I go on the roller coaster, I want to know all of the dips and the turns and the loops and all of those different exciting things that you experience on a roller coaster. I want to know what I'm, what I'm going to face as I get onto the roller coaster before I actually get on to the roller coaster. So I look at the tracks. Where do the tracks go? What should I expect? Some people say that, that life is like a roller coaster, right? Life is like a roller coaster. But I say that life is like a roller coaster that's gone off the rails. And you don't know where you're headed. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what to expect. That's what life is. If life was like a roller coaster, then we would know all of the turns and all of the dips and all of the twists and all of the loop-de-loops of life. But in reality, life is like a roller coaster that's gone off the tracks. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what's around the next corner. We don't know what trials are coming next. But praise God, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He knows your whole life. From the time you were born until the time... You go to be with Christ in heaven. Life, from our perspective, is like a roller coaster that's gone off the tracks. But God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing in your life. He's in control. From our perspective, it seems as if all control has been lost. And we're, we're headed off in a meaningless direction. God knows. Wouldn't it be nice if we had that all-knowing characteristic of God? Wouldn't it be nice if we were om- nice, neat if we were omniscient? That is all-knowing. Wouldn't that be great? We're not, but God is. Life is full of trials, temptations, difficulties, and pain that you never expected. It means that life is hard. Never knowing what's around the corner is hard. Trials and temptations come our way and we don't even expect them. They just hit us out of nowhere. So that means that bad things are going to happen. I'm sorry to be the bearer of of bad news today. But this is reality. Bad things are going to happen. First of all, they're going to happen in your life. Bad things are going to happen in your life. A, A call from the doctor that you never expected... A loss of income. Maybe a call from the principal's office about your kid. (laughs) Illness. Unexpected tragedy. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I don't know what news is going to hit us tomorrow. So bad things happen in our life. They happen in your life. Bad things also happen to your life. They happen to your life. That is, bad things from the wicked choices of other people. Your property stolen 
or your identity is stolen by a thief, betrayed by somebody that you trusted. Some of you have experienced the, the, the pain of infidelity. Many people have experienced abuse in their lives. So bad things happen in our life and bad things happen to our lives. And then third, bad things happen to us because of the bad choices that we've made. I've made bad choices. And that may be a call from the doctor because of years of bad habits. I eat too much. I smoke too much. I drink too much. And what happens? Bad health. Uh, some people have even thrown their life away because of the, of the sinful choices that they've made. I've been watching this series on Netflix called I Am a Killer. And it's the sad stories of people who have made wicked choices and they end up in prison or on death row. They've thrown their life away. So bad things happen in our life. Bad things happen to our life. And sometimes bad things happen in and to our lives through the choices that we make. Choices. Choices that I've made. Choices that have led me down a negative path. So bad things happen. These are the trials and the temptations. Either the trials that God allows or the temptations that we surrender to. These things that happen in our life and to our life, most often they're out of our control, but the temptations that we surrender to have consequences. So they come through trials and temptations. And James writes, to, and he urges us to have the proper perspective through the frustrating and even the painful situations of life. You see, I need to see things from, from God's perspective. And when I, when I see things from God's perspective, even the bad stuff, then I, then I can have a different disposition. And I can have a, 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 better, a, better, um, a better feeling about life or a better understanding of life, which actually, which actually can lead to, to a sense of joy, even in the difficulties and the hardships that we face. So this letter from James gives to you and to I that perspective. And James, he really urges us to see life from God's perspective. And when we see life from God's perspective and not from, from our own perspective, which is so limited and so clouded, when we see life from God's perspective, then we can understand what James is saying in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy. How can we count it all joy when we're facing trials of various kinds? Well, we, 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 don't, we don't count uh, the difficulty itself or the pain itself as joy, but we can have joy and we can have peace in the heart knowing that God has a plan and that God has a purpose. 
It seems as if life is like a roller coaster that's gone off the rails. But God knows. He knows what's going on. He knows where you're headed. And he has a good and uh, perfect plan for your life. So again, trials are those difficult and even painful things that happen in our life, to our life. Sometimes through our own choices. The only way that you can have joy in trials is to trust in God who knows the beginning from the end. The God who wants all good things for you. If you can live uh, with faith to see life from God's perspective, then you can know that even in the difficulty... It's not meaningless. I want us to think of Joseph's life today. How many of you here recall the account of Joseph's life from Genesis chapter 37 through 50? If you've never uh, read the account of Joseph's life in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 37 through 50, I encourage you to read it. Because Joseph's life uh, was like a, a roller coaster that completely went off the rails. Completely went off the rails. What happened in Joseph's life? Well, number one, his brothers were jealous of him. His brothers were jealous of him. And I have these points, uh, Alyssa. His brothers were jealous of him, number one. His brothers despised him. They hated him. His brothers wanted to kill him. They wanted him dead. His brothers then decided to fake his death and sell him into slavery in Egypt. Can you imagine being betrayed by your brothers? They hate you so much that they sell you as a slave into Egypt. And then as serving as a slave, he was accused of sexual assault that he didn't commit. And he spent years in prison. Talk about a life that's like a roller coaster that's gone completely off the rails. But as you read Genesis 37 through 50, uh, 50 you learn that through it all, God's hand was upon him. I'm sure he didn't understand what God was up to as he was in the pit, locked in chains as a slave. And then as he was in a prison cell, he probably didn't understand what God was up to at that time. But through it all, through all of the difficulty and through all of the pain, he came to understand that his brothers meant it for evil, but that God meant it for good. That there was a plan and a purpose through all of it. That's the only way we can have joy in the midst of trials is knowing and having that wisdom to see things from God's perspective, not from our own, own perspective. So God doesn't waste your hurt. You may be sitting here today with hurt. 
because of something that's happened in your life or to your life or because of the sinful choices and the consequences that you're living with right now. But God doesn't waste that hurt. There's a purpose in the pain. So we don't have joy because we're going through difficult stuff in life. We have joy because God doesn't, is never going to waste that hurt and because God has a purpose in the plan. We, we don't live in a meaningless world. So often it seems like the pain and the hurt is meaningless, and it's true. More often than not, we don't have a, a specific answer of why God allows hurt and pain. You, you may come to me, you may come into my office, and, and you, may, you may speak of great pain and difficulty in your life. And there is no way that I can answer why God would allow it. But I can say that God must have a purpose and a plan. He isn't going to waste this hurt. He isn't going to throw it away. When I first read this, uh, you know, I go back to James time and again throughout my Christian walk. And I read these verses again, count it all joy. Can't be serious, James. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Can't be serious, James. But we can have joy in the trial when we see, when we're wise enough to see things, to see the life, to see the hurt from God's perspective. God is up to something good. He has a plan, and he has a purpose. So there are two things that God gives us through painful experiences. Two things that God gives us through painful experiences. Number one, strength. Strength. We're strengthened through the painful experiences. Some of you might remember the biosphere. Remember way back in the 90s it was in the news, this biosphere? There's this big, giant glass building in which there was an entire ecosystem. And people went into the biosphere and they, they lived for a while uh, as a scientific experiment. Well, trees were planted in the biosphere and, and one thing that they learned is that the trees grew, they grew very fast. But, but they weren't healthy and they weren't very strong. They were missing one key element. And that key element surprised scientists. There was no wind in the biosphere. No one realized that the survival and the strength of the trees depended upon wind. Wind puts stress upon trees, and, and that wind and that stress helps the tree to mature with strength. Did you know that if we didn't have wind, trees would grow and eventually they'd collapse under their own weight? Without wind? Without stress, without the hardships of life, we too would, wouldn't grow strong. So, so through the difficulty, through the hardships of life, come strength. Strength comes from painful experiences. Ask anybody who's an athlete or anybody who likes to work out. You want to get stronger? No pain, no gain. So it, it develops strength. Number two, it, it develops dependence. Dependence, not dependence upon 
ourselves, but dependence upon God. So when we face difficulty and trial, it it develops this dependence upon God. We've all been through times in life in, in which we knew that we couldn't do it without God. And maybe you're, you're at that point in your life right now where you're going through hardship, you're going through difficulty, and you know every day I can't get up and face today without the Lord because the trial is too hard. Either you've been in that place, you're in that place now, or you're headed to that place pretty soon. Or you understand that you need to depend upon God through the trial and through the difficulty. So through the trials and difficulty comes strength and dependence. It's understanding that dependent, this dependence understands that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul actually wrote this, and I have it up on the screen for you. So the Apostle Paul says, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. He delights in weaknesses, in insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. He says, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. When God allows you to go through a trial, that's when he brings you to your knees and you, you, you learn to depend upon God. You can't make it through life without him. And it's the hardships that teach us that. And I actually pity the person who never walks through trials. Because if you've never walked through the pain and the difficulty and the trials of life, you never come to the point where you you experience the joy and the peace of God's strength sustaining you. Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. It's not the difficulty and the pain that brings joy. It's the the experience of Jesus giving you strength and knowing that your Father in Heaven has a purpose in the pain. That's the only reason you can count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. Joy in trials. Knowing God has a plan. And that God gives maturity and a deeper dependence upon him through it. And a big part of having this perspective in trials is knowing that we need wisdom. We must have wisdom. Not wisdom that comes from the world, but wisdom that comes from God. And so James beautifully begins to talk about the need for wisdom. Wisdom in, in trials and temptations. That's why he says in James 1.5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And here's a promise for you. If you lack wisdom today, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. James 1.5. promise to stand upon. Need wisdom? Ask God. And it's this wisdom that gives you insight into God's purposes through trial. And it's wisdom that gives you understanding of strength that comes from God, not from yourself through trials. 
The unwise person, he cannot recognize or she cannot recognize God's work in every area of life. The unwise person blames God. But the wise person says, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. Job's wife said, curse God. You, God has allowed all of these things, these terrible things to happen in your life. But, but, joy, but, but Job had wisdom. Job had wisdom in the midst of his difficulty. And he didn't curse God. promise of wisdom leads to the gift of faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So let's talk about this godly wisdom really quick. This godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is confidence in his promise to answer prayer. Godly wisdom is confidence in his promise, God's promise to answer prayer. The wise man knows that God hears and he answers. But let him ask in faith and with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So godly wisdom is confidence in this promise that God hears and he answers prayer. So ask for that wisdom. That's what I need right now. Wisdom to get on my knees and to trust God through the difficulty. Right now I don't have that wisdom. I'm a, uh, I encounter a problem, a problem comes my way, I do whatever I can in my own strength rather than God's strength. Godly wisdom is confidence in his promised answer prayer. Next, godly wisdom doesn't trust in wealth. A lot of people believe that if, the, if they have money, then all their problems will go away. That, that the wealthy life is the blessed life and the, and the poor life is the cursed life. But godly wisdom doesn't trust in wealth. You see, wealth will never, ever remove the difficulty and the trials that are common to all people. It says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. Actually, the Bible teaches that wealth is a liability. It's a liability to us spiritually. Actually, the more wealth we have, um, there's a tendency to, to, to trust in that wealth rather than to trust in God. Poverty, yes, that, that's a trial. That's a temptation. Uh, there's, there's trial and temptation there, but wealth is also a trial. Maybe wealth is the greater trial than poverty. So godly wisdom doesn't trust in wealth, thinking that if I won the lottery, if I had millions of dollars, if I had a mega yacht then I wouldn't have any problems. Life doesn't work that way. Like a flower of the grass, the rich man will pass away. In the end, when death comes, when death calls, there's no rich or poor. 
Naked we came into this world and naked we shall depart. So godly wisdom is confidence in his promise to answer prayer. Godly wisdom doesn't trust in wealth. Godly wisdom gives insight into temptation. Godly wisdom gives insight into temptation. Let no one say when he's tempted, James says, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Your temptations to sin do not come from God. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So James uses this this illustration from hunting and fishing, lured and enticed by his own desire. Then when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. James talks about temptation as this lure. If you've ever gone fishing, you understand the importance of a lure. A hook all by itself doesn't work very well. A lure can be as simple as a worm, right? Something that tempts the fish. The fish sees the juicy worm, and the fish cannot resist it, so the fish bites. And then you reel it in, and then it's put on my dinner plate. Temptation. Something that looks so good, and we bite, drags us away, and it's our ultimate demise. So godly wisdom gives insight into temptation. When we gain this godly wisdom, we see the lure for what it is. We see it as death. Godly wisdom next seeks the truth of God's word. Godly wisdom seeks the truth of God's word. And James writes to us, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth, How? By the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Godly wisdom knows where truth is found. Godly wisdom seeks truth through God's word. So once again, we come back to the importance of the Bible. Is the Bible open in your life? Sometimes people open a Bible as a decoration in their home, but it's never read. We need to be a people of the open Bible. A people with, with, our, with the scriptures open in our homes. Uh, sometimes not literally the Bible, it's right here on your smartphone. Um, Or it is your your Bible at home that you open and you you flip the pages and there's something about that that's, maybe I'm just nostalgic, uh, you know, thinking of times before technology and the smell of the Bible and all that sort of stuff you can't get from from a phone or a computer screen. But it doesn't matter what what form, whether it's electronic or whether it's, it's a paper copy of the Bible, but to be a people that open the scriptures, read the scriptures, pray the scriptures, 
memorize the scriptures, knowing that it's from there that all good things come down from heaven to us. It's through the word of truth. And, and don't think of, of, this, of this discipline of, of the scriptures as a guilt trip kind of thing. But think of it as gift. The scriptures are a gift to you. A daily gift to you from God. All these good and perfect gifts come down from the Father by means of his word. We need his word because life is like a roller coaster. It's like a roller coaster that's gone off the rails. We don't know where this roller coaster is headed. We don't know what's around the corner. So we need God. We need Him. We need wisdom. Wisdom that comes from His Word. Life is like a roller coaster. It's gone off the rails. And even when you face trials and temptations, and as you open the word of God and as you spend time with the Lord in prayer, trusting that he's with you, that he doesn't waste a hurt, that he has a plan and a purpose in the pain, that's where we can find joy in the midst of whatever comes our way. Whatever is around the corner for you today, whatever you're going through right now, Whatever you've been through and that you're still struggling with today, trust in him. Trust in his word. And find strength in him. Let us pray. Lord, I don't know what's going on in the lives of everybody within our congregation today. I don't know the, the difficulty or the trial. I don't know the temptations. But I do know one thing. Each and every one of us face trials and temptations. So I ask that you would give to all of us an understanding, uh, your perspective in life. That we would, we would understand that your, your hand is upon us. That you, you, have a, you do indeed have a, a course set out and laid out for us. We don't know what it is. But in it and through it, you're doing something good. You're up to something. And in that we can have joy. In that we can have peace. And in that we can have confidence. So turn us away from the worthless things of this world. And focus us upon your word. Focus us upon your promises. So that we can stand up under the trial. Not trusting in our own strength, but in your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.